0: This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.
1: <laughs>
2: this, is, this is going to be a fun one, through. I'm proper pish, Richie. I gotta tell you. I gotta tell you, I'm proper pissed. So, I don't know what it's like in the U.K., but over here in good old Aaron. it's uh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful and sunny. So therefore, shirt off. Fucking cans out! <laughs> Put your
1: nipples wasted. <laughs> I'm not even joking. This is what I get for delaying the episode a little bit. Give, give Steve precious drinking time. I think it was like
2: 43 minutes
1: or something like that. It's that's and that's all you need, baby. Woohoo! <laughs> Cheers. Uh, I'm drinking Bud Light. <clears throat> oh, you... Bud Light sells her passion free oh. because I'm having a crisis of identity I guess I don't know who I am anymore. Oh my god that's disgusting. <laughs> and it's really 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 bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean yeah it's in there mm. like the Bud Light title is there so what were you expect. Oh, so, it tastes so bad. I don't know why I got <laughs> it. I think I panicked. Um, Wouldn't be do I do I look a bit different? Do you get a different vibe off me? Is that an... I mean you got
2: the golden halo thing you always have that but what else i always
1: have that that's just a light shining in from my window What else? uh maybe it's a certain vaccinated quality i don't know maybe it's not coming over zoom but double vaccinated uh, but no just the one oh, yeah. i have to wait another few weeks before i get the second but yeah i've I got my vaccine and it feels so good <laughs> did i tell you about how i got it because i got it a few weeks before i was supposed to i mean you, you told me outside of recording Ah, well, so therefore it didn't happen. We can't, <laughs> can't capitalise on those social exchanges. Uh, so no, I didn't tell you what happened. So what actually happened for our dear listeners is that uh, I've been kind of gagging, frothing, chomping at the bit for this vaccine. Just give it to me, stick it in me, whatever, however you want to, I'll take it. And uh, so I've been calling up various uh, vaccine centres that, you know, you to get on their waiting list because the way it works is they defrost the vaccine and then if no one uses it, It has like a finite shelf life, so they need to administer it to someone, otherwise it gets chucked in the bin at the end of the day. Like brunches. Yeah, basically. And so I I called up my uh, GP directly, or I didn't call them up. My GP is directly across the road from me. And I just figured, fuck, I can be there in like two and a half seconds if someone doesn't show up. But I don't want to call them and tie up the precious, precious NHS, which is... Um, we'll talk about it later, one of the best parts of the UK, but it is by God stretch to breaking point at this point. And I don't want it, my I don't want my phone call to be the one that collapses the entire system because it was just one, two, one administrative task too many for the, the poor system. So I said, fine, I'll go on the website and I'll fill out the contact doctor form to say, hey. So I, I logged on, filled out the form and I basically, it gives you a text box and I said, hey, I live across the road. Someone doesn't show up for a vaccine. I can be there in two and a half seconds. Just stick my, if you have a wait list, stick my name on it. If you don't, no bother. And then I went to click submit, but it, then, it took me through a series of like different pages of the form that I needed to fill out. And so after our first text box, it was like, describe your symptoms. And it gave me a bunch of check boxes for like symptoms. And there was no box to check for no symptoms. So I just went through and I, and I ticked tiredness because it was I'm, the least. I'm so sleepy. It was, it was the least extreme of all the options. So I ticked tiredness and then I click next. And then I got another text box that says, describe your tiredness. And I had to write down, I'm not tired.
2: I'm like normal
1: tired. I, yeah. I just want I'm like 21st century me. tired. That's it. I'm I'm tired of not having a vaccine.
2: <laughs>
1: and so I had to go through literally it was like probably about a dozen pages where I had to answer a question and they get have a text box where I had to say, i d I'm not actually I just want to go on the waste Thank you very much. I just want to go on the way So after all of that, I hit submit. I said, fuck it. It's done. A minute and a half later, they called me back. And I went, this is exactly why I didn't want to happen, because they're like, So what was that about that <laughs> you you've been serious, serious affliction. And she and she just goes so do you want the vaccine and I was like yes but like just if there's a wait list there, I'm not like trying to jump the queue. and she went okay how's Thursday <laughs> and I said I, Thursday's good but I'm I'm 30 by the way and at this point they were only doing you know the late 30s or something like that and she went oh it's fine we're only doing Pfizer and AstraZeneca and I went that's great but it's not what I meant <laughs> I'm just I know I'm not jumping the gun here and she said no it's fine I've booked you down you can go get your vaccine and which one did then- you get? i got pfizer you got the good one i got the good one yeah nice. so within, yeah I, and means. it was like a proper it was in the needle and everything it wasn't i didn't have to suck up. you know with <laughs> had to use the, mop up the broken vaccines at the end of the day so yeah um yeah i got it and uh yeah flawless flawless system queued up got it out the door in the 20 minutes
2: are you the only person of our age group that we know that have got it i think so you no know, elaine has it she works because she
1: hospital. works in a hospital yeah Mm. But apart from that, and like oh, in terms of in terms of just plebs, I'm, no, I'm the,
2: I am the chosen one. Yeah, yeah. My girlfriend, who also works in health services, she got it too. But apart from that, yeah, you're the only one that like isn't helping anyone but has got. It. Oh, I'm the only like leech on society who's yeah. just like yeah. I obviously. mean, I'm I'm there. I'm I'm like grabbing around to like shake people saying
1: give me the vaccine, but no, nothing. You, no, you none of not have it. Yeah, I got it. I just grabbed the right person, <laughs> just just the right way. And said, I'm sleepy. I'm <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> hey, and you know what, Steve? I'm more tired never before. <laughs> okay, what is what I am? You you're okay, you take this one because you're you're drunk and I want to see what comes out of those beautiful um pursed plump lips. What
2: I'm politics is What <laughs> <laughs> <It's a laughs> I'm politics is the mental vomit of two Irish guys who often drink too much beer and get into arguments about politics with everybody and everyone, but want to try and figure it out as best they can. Yeah,
1: I don't want to say arguments. I don't think we argue that much. No, but like, I don't have I don't have a, I don't know enough to healthy argue. Healthy arguments. Yeah. But like Boisterous
2: disagreement, Boisterous like I, Oily rest, Eyebrows up conversations mm. in bars. That's the kind of thing. Yeah, that that is your MO.
1: I don't think I've ever had a conversation with you in a bar where your face was symmetrical. That's impossible. It's impossible. One time it was because you're having a stroke.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's because of all those strokes, yeah.
1: Yeah, so if that sounds good to you and one episode of Fortnite isn't enough to satiate your dark dark desires uh you can get some bonus episodes of the podcast over on head stuff plus uh link is in the show notes we've got a bunch of bonus stuff up there and we're always adding more to it so it's all what's your favorite of the bonus stuff that we've done
2: i mean the the old the most recent episode where i got a nice little story time about uh um, oh, the, 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 whiskey whiskey the whiskey wars yeah it's gorgeous yeah it's beautiful I mean, yeah, I, you learned- I listen to it every night to fall asleep. I can't fall asleep <laughs> without it now. I, in fact, I've developed furiously, a, I, furiously masturbating. To oh, this this. stop!
1: I've got blisters everywhere. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, g- fuck. Right. I'm. Oh,
2: I can't. You're afraid of this one. I'm afraid of this. You one. like when I suggested live here. When I suggested it, you like jumped full in. You were like, "Of course. Why yeah. would we not do this episode?" But then I was like, "He's going to regret it." i'm gonna, gonna regret,
1: regret it. because it. um, for it's just a miracle we haven't done it. Um, well, it's not a miracle. It's a very good reason why <laughs> we haven't done it for like four years into the show. It's because I live here and I have a lot to lose. You didn't live here when we started.
2: No, and we no, did America I, every year. You no problem with that? I did America.
1: We did What i Am USA back in that first year, but I did it a few weeks before I left. Yes, and I think that was part of the comfort. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we recorded it while the plane was taking off on the on the <laughs> runway from SFO airport. Um, yeah, but this one's a co- we so fun story. We at our live sh- cast your mind back, Steve, to 2019 and uh, our live show at the Dublin Podcast Festival pre lockdown. Um, pre lockdown, uh, it was. I don't, you, listener, you might have heard of it if you weren't there. It was kind of like the uh, remember Live Aid, where all of those um, white musicians in the 80s fixed poverty that time. Yeah, remember that thing, average listener, would happen before you were born. Yeah, guess that. so that it was like that, but for what was our cause? We didn't. It wasn't poverty. It was like pints, t- tackling uh, pints. The, the short lack of pints yeah, in pints. our in, in our immediate vicinity at the time. Yes,
2: <laughs> precisely.
1: <laughs> Glad to say we rectified that shortly after pretty the pretty episode, pretty episode, after pretty pretty the live show. Yeah, exactly. but we were supposed to, that that episode we ended up talking about generational politics with uh, Lena Norms. Yeah, but it was supposed to be what I'm the Brits, and she was afraid to do it. She was afraid to do it, and also I was a bit afraid to do it. Um, yeah, because but well, if, in particular, her because it was involved flying poor Lena over to Dublin into the belly from of the Brisbane, from yes, from Britain, uh, putting up her on oh, putting her up on stage in front of a crowd of drunken Irish people, and then us basically, I don't know if it was going to be a lambass but you know maybe it, I mean throwing fruit be, at her metaphorically and we, literally, we would have had cabbages, we would have thrown them. Even if we tried to check them at the door, people would have snuck them in. People would have snuck them in. But yeah, it's a a difficult one to talk about just by nature of um, two things. One, we're we're both Irish and Irish people have a complicated history with the Brits. And the second factor being the Brits themselves.
2: They have a complicated history with themselves. They have a complicated history
1: full stop. A complicated history present and I'm going to stake my wages on the future as well. (laughs) Future, yeah. Um and speaking of that faithful night when we were going to talk about what I'm the Brits, but we we pulled the ejector cord the last minute. Uh, a good friend of ours, um, Derek, showed up that 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 night. Uh, Derek is um. Here's a little caveat about Derek for people who don't know.
2: I d- I don't know. Listeners. You don't know. Him. I've never heard yes, of him. you. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: <clears throat> he's a dear friend of half of the show. Um, <laughs> He when when here's here's a just brief description of Derek just to get a picture in your mind of him. When most people are asked to think about the personification of Ireland, they might think a fair maiden. <laughs> okay, their mind might go. What to else two were things. you thinking of? For God's sake, <laughs> like a fair maiden with a green flowy dress and freckles and red hair, and she's Michael D a Higgins heart. in a dress. Yes, and or Michael D Higgins. Well, for me. I think of Derek sitting in the old man pub supping a pint. Nice. That for me is the personification of Ireland. He's an Irish speaker uh, through and through. He works, like it's his profession. He works in the Irish speaking industry. He is, he, he <laughs> is the embodiment of like Irish culture. He's wonderful to have, you know, a pint of Guinness with. That's when he's at his best and he's a very eloquent man. He just puts his hand on
2: the bar and he casts his other arm astride and he goes, "Bagara," And you cannot but listen. <laughs>
1: You cannot, you cannot, you can never but listen to the tale, to the scale that's about to unfold from that man and a pint will just appear in his hand and you go, where did that come from? You look down at your hand, so there's a pint there and next thing you know, you're in a lock-in. That's Derek all over. So I shot Derek a message going, hey, how, could you just like put into a little brief voice memo what your feelings are about the complicated relationship that Ireland has with the UK, with our nearest neighbour?
4: From your perspective,
1: from the perspective of an Irish speaker. And uh, this is this is what you came back with.
4: So I work in the Irish language sector and I would think and speak the language, you know, for the large majority of, of my week. And the more you use the language, I think, the more your love for it grows. It is hard to shake off the feeling of distrust and dislike of the Brits because sometimes you just look back at the history of the language and you think, God, this could be so much better off. Now, obviously the Irish government has contributed to the state of the language uh, in its own way, its own special way. But um, We've gotten to say, I wouldn't say the two countries are friends, but I wouldn't say we're enemies at the same time. Um, kind of a, a distrust. Now, what I enjoyed the m- most about our relationship with, with the Brits is the Irish tend to spend most of the time just trying to get little victories and have a go at them. Um, You know, like never giving them points in the Eurovision. So, yeah, I think most people in Ireland would, would grow up with just an innate distrust of the UK. But I think the last 10 years has definitely kind of, Added uh, an extra spice. Maybe Twitter has contributed to it. Brexit, obviously, even the Sinn Fein memes and the uh, Ireland Simpsons fan memes, all that has contributed. I think to uh, a growing Fenian energy and a growing distrust of the UK as well. I play, um, I play Red Dead to the Cowboy game, and you can rob a store. You can go into a store and you know tell your man to give me all the money, and then you leave. And sometimes you're chased out of town. And you go off and you make a camp somewhere, you sleep for a day or two, and you can just head straight back in to the same shop and rob him again. But when you walk in, he goes, he says something like, oh, I hope you're not back to cause trouble. And you don't have to cause trouble. You can continue and buy your beans and buy your peas. But I just, I don't know. I, this, is, this, is a, this is a big tangent here, but that whole thing of, you know, walking in knowing that he has previously wronged you and you distrust him. But at the same time, you know, you're still, you're still offering beans. You can be civil. Does that make sense? I don't know. I that, That's... <laughs> <laughs> he's offering you beans
1: does that make sense <laughs> I don't know how we charged headlong full speed full throttle into that metaphor yeah. and-
2: <laughs> this, this dude is playing a lot of Red Dead Redemption in Lockdown 3 I can tell you yeah.
1: that <laughs> uh, but it's always really good like hitting on the kind of so yeah again, he's hitting we, it. Re- we, we Although- really
2: Although what? to be to, to the one correction is that in terms of uh, Eurovision points, Ireland gives the UK more points than any other European nation. We have an average of giving them four point three points per year.
1: Really? Yep. Okay, that's interesting. That's still low enough when twelve is the. Max. Well, nobody <laughs> wants to give them any points. Well, no
2: one wants <laughs> to give them any
1: points. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, th- this year in particular, I guess they came out. Oh uh, yeah, well, Phoenix, that's actually Infamously that's, that's Zero.
2: I think did we agree to do this episode before the Eurovision finals? uh, probably. I, I think, think we did, did yeah. and then it occurred to me as being particularly potent considering that the Brits had like this whole thing where they were like, even Ireland,
1: did not yeah. give us points?
2: Yeah, even a Ireland.
1: Lo- and how do you think personally? How much of a tribute to what Derek referred to as Athenian energy—that uh, that kind of
2: like anti-Brit uh, <laughs> sentiment. There is an awful lot of anti pert sentiment at the moment. Um, mm. There has, there has always been an awful yeah. lot of anti pert sentiment. You can't at have
1: the uh, just a caveat again. You can't have eight hundred
2: years of oppression without having yeah. some spillover.
1: And this is the thing. Uh, I,
2: this is the thing. So any any UK listeners that are that are out there that are that are listening to this episode and are thinking that we're going to be too hard on you. We probably are, but at the same time, you should reflect on what history you've learned about your own nation and think: Have we been hard enough on ourselves? <laughs> I, I'm sorry, but it does boil down to that. Fair the, point. The fair UK point, yeah. does not have a good history in terms of its interactions with nations such as Ireland. Yeah, and it continues to not having it, it continues to express itself in ways that shows that it has not learned from those experiences, which yeah. makes it hard to forgive and forget.
1: <laughs> yeah, although it's getting better with some like younger generations, like people we've talked to, like Jazza, who we'll hear from later on, and sure. other other Brit- British friends are are acutely aware. They're becoming acutely aware either through self self reflection or self education that this is an
2: issue in terms of modern politics. It definitely feeds into the whole left right culture war thing. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. Some people are more Absolutely. aware than others, and I cannot believe you were drinking a like can. I just can't.
1: I know. I do, you keep seeing. It. I want to cover it up with like a brown <laughs> bag. My shame. <laughs> I'm gagging to get through it as quick as I can because once I get rid of this garbage, Steve, once I get rid of this stupid Bud Light Seltzer passion fruit, I've got waiting for me a tall, cool Bud Light Seltzer strawberry. <laughs> Richie, why? I don't know. Who what? am I? Been, oh, is this the vaccine? Maybe. Does Bill Gates have a stake in Bud Light? Or Bill Gates' <laughs> wife. Been, who owns I've Bill been Gates? As we find out buying a lot of windows products ever since getting my vaccine but look all this to say like I don't we just wanted to do this big old caveat about our own relationship and with the uk and how it manifests in uh what is kind of semi-affectionately referred to as brit bashing back home and it's kind of what derek was hit, talking about it's kind of become a more of a meme type thing where it's it's not like there's not at least in our manifestation of it, it's not malice. It's like more of this cheeky, like, uh, what you call it, like what you call like tall poppy syndrome, yeah. where you try and cut someone down to like bring them down to your level, to kind, to try and ground them using humor. It's a little bit of that. It's kind of reconciling with a difficult past, um, in the way that Irish people do best, which is through kind of humor, yeah. um, very deprecating humor. And, like is Brit bashing racist? It probably is. <laughs> it by definition, um, but it's you know if we make jokes, which we are going to do through this podcast, that's kind of the lens through which we're doing it. And I hope our UK listeners are along with us for the ride on that and kind of acknowledge where that's coming from and don't view it as like malicious. I was trying to figure this out
2: earlier. I was trying to figure out like what's 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 like why. Why do they deserve this even spe- this special rec- retrospection? Like, why didn't we? Why didn't we say, "Is this German bashing? Is this Russia bashing? Is this America mm-hmm. bashing?" Like, why do we? Why are we having to caveat this at the start? Number one, yes, because we're Irish, and in terms of our history, Ireland was colonized by the United Kingdom. You can't get around this. Yes. That that, that yeah. is the truth. That is that is what we've had to figure in terms of our history and continued history. But also, there is something about Britishness and British history that is it is bad at reconciling with its own past. It is not good. Mm-hmm with figuring out where it stands in the world compared to what it was before, there is still something about Britishness that makes you, makes it makes you want to go, you cool being English. Hooray. Mm-hmm. And like thinking that you're better than other nations. And when you come up across it, it is jarring. And like, and then British people forget when you're Irish that you're not British. <laughs> yeah. That, <laughs> that's, that's one that's of the hardest points. Thing. That is one of the hardest yeah. points. When you're talking to someone that's generally that, that like, may not have as 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 enlightened a viewpoint as the people we may hear from later in the episode they just don't realize that you're not british and because being british means being part of a, a group of nations as yeah. well that makes it more difficult like you're scottish you're english you're welsh northern irish if they remember but like mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll get into that it, it yeah. makes it more difficult because they they don't realize that you're not part of it what makes it harder when you're irish because you yeah. just want to scream no We fought a war. We're not part of this. (laughs) I mean,
1: again, I I alluded to earlier, we're going to hear from Jazza later on because we did want to inject some British perspectives into this episode. So it wasn't just, again, two Irish lads chatting about it. Uh, But he acknowledges and he mentioned it in, in, in episodes either when he was on with us or when we were on his show. And I, it was only in his 20s that he learned that um, there was a violent war of independence in Ireland and that it wasn't just, uh, UK didn't just give Ireland independence as a gift, as a thank you gift for World War One, <laughs> 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 uh,
2: which is uh, tragically hilarious. <laughs> yes. um, Considering the um, like, and then frankly, like in terms of like the, like this spirit bashing thing is entirely about the, du- like the duology between Irishness and Britishness. And the way yeah. we're raised, we're raised to think that we grabbed it from the British and we tore it away. We yeah. took our independence from you, And mm. you better feckin' give us some credit for that because otherwise we have nothing. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, said, that's when a country's born out of rebellion, that becomes
2: so much of its identity. Born it out of rebellion, so- and if you're not in America where you can develop this massive nation of nuclear weapons and stuff to go, Well, I don't care if what you think. <laughs> mm. yeah. We're still hanging there on the sleeves going, Remember? We We took that hey, do you remember? <laughs> look at our stamps look we we got we painted we painted the both boxes green, okay we're, we're independent and cool, don't you know all
1: right, let's get we've been faffing around for so long. Let's actually get into the episode proper, so we've allu- we've mentioned that uh this episode and if you're a frequent listener to the show, you know that I live here in the belly of the beast uh on in land, and so the chances of me getting stuck a lift with the queen are higher i would say the most people in the world it's a non-zero sum sure right so if that in the well let's just say it, in the inevitable event that this happens when this happens can you just give me a quick crash course on uk history just enough so i don't embarrass myself when i'm stuck in the lift with her big question in the in the, Al, in the aldi lift <laughs>
2: Going up to like the special fourth floor where you get those super deals on Tuesday, <laughs> which she is she is she knows, gagging for. She knows. I said gagging like four times. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, go on. Brief UK history. Yeah, God knows where to start. Basically, the UK has for a very long time wanted to differentiate itself differentiate itself from the rest of Europe, and I guess you can kind of start with the whole Protestant thing. It was the first large nation kingdom to separate itself from the rest of Europe and saying that I am Protestant I am right. not Catholic I am separate and that kind of set its off from there And that's, we're talking like Henry the 8th 15th century sorry 16th century like 1500s kind of thing mm. and then also it happened to be well positioned in terms of just being on the coast that it could go off and invade a bunch of the um, the new world
1: right it benefited from its geography
2: those two things combined led it to become the British Empire if you want to skip right. forward to that <laughs>
1: A few other bits in there, military and stuff like that, but Absolutely.
2: It, a, was a des- it was a powerful desire to not be Catholic and be in a cool ass island. Pretty much. Part of that, unfortunately for Ireland, meant that, hey, let's suck in this tiny little island beside us and mm. make sure that they're ours and like kill all of their nobles and make them part of us. But look, we're not talking about Ireland, we're talking about the UK here, so let's get past True. that.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, zoom, 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 zoom. It conquered, lost a bit, did all this, got up to World War II. We, I mean, who wants to get into too much of this? I mean,
1: so we're, like, here's another thing. A lot of the things we're going to be mentioning will, will be or could be or should be their own episodes. Absolutely. Like World War Two, the idea of colonialism as a whole, you know, imperialism, that can be and should be and will be its own episode. Yeah. But we're like trying to get just a little bit, again, don't embarrass myself in front of her. It's bound to happen. We're at Bank Holiday weekend. She's probably running short on tins i'm also running short on tins it's going to happen probably tomorrow yeah
2: so just let's continue so we've got up to her life mm. the uk is part of america's victory and russia's victory in world war Two. you jump into the cold war it wants to set up itself as, as different in the in, in terms of europe it's america's buddy it also sets up the nhs in terms of being like a a victorious capitalist, not Soviet version of what was victorious in World War II and has all this good stuff that America doesn't have but is not American. Right. <laughs> this is a shambles. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing about UK history. It is really broad and really depth. I actually got in, like, my ma was like, we were talking about um, how Elon Musk was likely to conquer Mars. And she's like, ah, sure, it's no different to who's the king of England. I'm like... <laughs> Fuck you, ma. And I like <laughs> took her through the entire history of who's been in charge of England for the last eight hundred years. It's very complicated, very difficult. Basically, was it the Musk's. Yeah, of course. Z Y twenty five was the the king in the thirteenth oh, century.
1: Uh, Elon Musk's time traveling baby. Exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's really hard to grasp and like a, a succinct thing. I've been trying to figure it out for the entire weekend. How do you do this? Okay, so it used to have an empire. It didn't have an emperor anymore. It is there, in term, like the UK now as a stand. Let's say you're in 1947. You <laughs> the are. The UK now as a stand. Let's in say 1947. You're
1: 1947. <laughs> this is. <laughs> we should have recorded this earlier. I,
3: I love it. Let's I keep, going, let's keep going. I warned you. I warned you. You did, you did. This is so
1: good. Oh, okay. Where are we? Are we now? Where are we in 1947? We're in 1947. Let's split the, UK, the difference. We're somewhere in the seventies. The UK
2: has won World War Two, <laughs> okay, with America's help, Russia's help. But it is split. It is. It is now on the western side of the Cold War.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, we've talked mm-hmm. about these things before. Yeah, but it is separating itself from America in the sense that it is willing to put a load of money into housing and health services. Right, so that's where we see NHS, NHS, labor values, those things. These things are implanted upon itself and we have all sorts of pushing and pulling going on over the decades, but it is still something that is very firmly in the UK sense that there is a collectivism that is separate to America that makes it different. People are not going to be left on their own. You are going to Mm -hmm. be able to acquire health services and housing services that you wouldn't get in the US that makes it different to that.
1: Right and it's maintained those
2: values ever <laughs> ever since to like to a greater or lesser extent yes, yes actually, true, to be honest. yeah. like yeah, you have yeah, your yeah. shot over there in the NHS that's true I'm I over barely, here and I barely to old had Ireland. to trick anyone to get it barely had to trick being sleepy <laughs> in terms of constitutionally this is the thing that makes the UK really difficult the UK does not have a constitution
1: right they just have what do, what do they have in terms So they don't have a piece of paper that I can keep pointing to
2: they have habit and it makes it really difficult
1: Okay, full full disclosure, Steve and I both both got, there's there's been some sort of sound effect there. Steve and I both got distracted. I finished one of my drinks and we don't know where we left off in the conversation.
2: Sure look. Sure look. (laughs) Zip forward. The UK was a massive empire. It was the forefront of the Industrial Revolution. It brought a whole load of shit to the world. It was dominant. If you remember those, if you get a map from the 1900s, most of the world is pink. That means it's under the UK's grasp. But then as the 20th century went on, it started to lose a whole bunch of it. It lost India, it lost most of Africa, it lost everything in the, in in Australia, New Zealand, North America. They all became independent part of the Commonwealth. We're not really going to get into that too much. But basically, the Commonwealth mm. is like a is like a former British club that you get to right. join. And then you had little old UK sitting on its own, still thinking that it was number one boss in the world, but it wasn't. <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> why? What, what, so why? Uh, what caused it to crumble? not crumble well, cr- yeah crumble like consistently de- to deteriorate so gradually over the course of that century
2: it's kind like, of diff- it's it's inevitable history of empires if you look at all right. empires they kind of eventually collapse and steve i fucking in prep. Pre- pre- pre-
1: <clears throat> take <two>. in <laughs> preparation for this episode uh i just went on wikipedia looking up empires
2: there's been a lot there's been loads and a lot of empires. a whole bunch the last Jesus. couple of weeks I've been watching the Rome HBO TV series, which is about one of the first Western empires. And you forget. Like, you get so caught up in what's going on at the moment that you forget that there's been all this weird shit going on for so long. Ireland right. used to be one of the most important empires in the Northwestern Europe. No. Yes. We'll get into that. That'll be its own episode.
1: <laughs> anyway, so is that? Is does that take us up to the modern day? Kind I mean, of. To a to certain to, extent. So like,
2: the UK, it is... Most of the UK's 20th century history has been it trying to reconcile with the fact that it is not the biggest swinging dick in the world, right? In terms of international affairs, in terms of domestic affairs, it has been a general clash between conservative right-wing politics, free marketeerism, and labour left-wing politics. Collectivism um, is like been a push and pull between that over the 20th century.
1: That's kind of so it's your like your Tories versus your Labour Party, basically.
2: Tory versus Labour. Like defending the empire versus protecting home, basically. That's been the push and pull of 20th century UK. With the with the EU thrown in there in the middle. <laughs> For flavour. For flavour. Like a weird little guest at a, at a party that was like, why did you invite me if you're going to be this fucking weird? <laughs> <laughs> That's an
1: excellent way of putting it. So one, one question that, that kind of plays on my mind a lot about the UK is like when... And more importantly, I guess, why did the UK switch from stuffy old royalty running the show to just stuffy old politicians running the show? Just like a different group of, of like stuffy old white people in yeah, charge. Like, when did that happen and why did that happen?
2: The UK is quite rare in that its political system has effectively been continuous through its entire history. Most places have had massive revolutions, massive invasions, all these things. It was never invaded. That's one important thing. It managed to not to be invaded. Unlike Ireland, unlike many other parts of the world, it didn't get someone else coming in, bumping out whoever was in charge before and putting mm-hmm. something new in place. The UK has been quite a good island fortress through, through most of the last couple of centuries. That has protected it. That has allowed its its system to continue the whole way. But then also the people in charge have been very careful to watch what has been going on abroad and to like slowly adjust themselves to make sure it didn't happen there. So while you had the American Revolution over in, america mm-hmm. um, they kind of adjusted themselves in terms of like okay well maybe we can give a little bit more here and there they definitely seen what happened in the french revolution in the 19th and sorry the 18th century and made sure that their royalty wouldn't get their heads chopped off so they were like let's give a little bit more rights to the workers let's give a little bit more of this and that it's it's like the establishment has been quite good at reacting to what else has been going on around the world to make sure that they remain in charge so well they do give constant concessions to increase democracy and increase liberalization it has been the same as essential establishment that has been there that has been able to keep in control does that make sense
1: it does yeah there's like a a continuum yeah that you can trace but trace way 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 back,
2: back. way back but, we're talking like 900 AD back
1: so at what point on that continuum on that timeline did the pivot happen from your royalty like anointed by God to rule king and queen to a more democratic parliamentary system.
2: There's probably, I'm not qualified to like say a specific point, but I would say it would happen sometime in the 19th century, like in the uh, 1800s. So you had your man, the bad King George, the fellow who lost the American colonies. Around that time, they started to realize that giving all this power into one consolidated part probably wasn't a good idea. And we just started Mm -hmm. to spread it around these elected representatives but it was always there like there was always a clash between representatives of the people versus the anointed rulers of of the nation the the the, the aristocracy and the kings that that mm-hmm. that has always been a push and pull of uk politics um, but i would say there's a very like by the time you got to victoria she was a figurehead she was okay. empress of all this empire but she was not in charge she was just kind of like a like a figurehead right and then by the time you got to who, are, who is there now? No power at
1: all. Right, just, just there to be on stamps and to <laughs> yeah. talk on Christmas and,
2: yeah.
1: you know, sell, sell souvenirs to tourists.
2: <laughs> does very well.
1: does a great job of it and fucking great Netflix shows as well. Um, Hello. Kate's sneaking in. Sneak, sneak, um, sneak. And she's kind of like crouching down as if that, you know, makes her unnoticed. <laughs> Wait, where'd she go? Oh, there she is. <laughs> Um... So, oh, it's very bad, dear. She's trying. She's taking my drink. It's disgusting. Don't. It's a very bad. Yeah, it's not good, is it? So, what the the, the this parliamentary system? Was it was based on anything because I know a lot of nations since then have like, you know, taken an inspiration from it and mm. copied certain parts of it, but. It, it itself is it based on anything or is it just figuring out as they go along yeah like, hey like, this is how we run things
2: one of the one of the like in terms of what kind of system you have in the world you could have a part of like your presidential system in terms of like copying the american system you could mm-hmm. have like a, a weird french presidential system which is half and half but no the westminster system the one that a lot of countries copy is just based on what they figured out themselves they didn't have anything to base it on it is just through their own 800 year history that they have the system that they have now they didn't really copy anyone else. It is the, the the Westminster parliamentary democracy that they have is something that has been chipped away over eight hundred years of practice. They weren't basing it on anything else. You mm. can go all the way back to, I think it was like King John the Second. Do you remember in the? Do you remember in the Disney Robin Hood cartoon, King John the Lion Guy? Yes. He had to go and negotiate. The one, the one where Maid Marian is a sexy anthropomorphized fox. Exactly. What? <laughs> You said that. (laughs) The king, I think it was only Prince John then, but he had to go, when he was king, he had to go and negotiate with the barons of the north to try and figure out a deal so they wouldn't usurp him and and kick him off the throne. That was essentially the first parliament. And then what they wrote down was called the Magna Carta, which is like the first thing, the first document you can find that says a king's power is dependent on what people are willing to give it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It sounds pretty like democratic of course which is like an alien thing 800 yeah. years ago and yet the yeah. uk have constantly built on that and built on that and added more and more and more things and then you had you had like these these conventions of lords coming together to negotiate with the king which eventually became the house of lords
3: mm-hmm. and then
2: they were like oh maybe we should ask these poor lads what they think as well because they had a couple of rebellions and demanded it in terms of peasants revolts and <laughs> those, stuff. Pesky, those pesky fucking little fucking poor, little poor, poor, poor shits then you have what was called the house of commons and then they added that into the system. And then eventually you ended up at what is now the House of Commons, which is the primary mm. parliament of the United Kingdom and the House of Lords, which is just like a tick box thing. And all the wankers are? All the wankers.
1: <laughs> and the Sorry, pro- it's been a while since we've done any of the Brit bashing that we promised at the start.
2: <laughs> I really want to bash the Brits in this sense. The biggest Jesus. fault with their country is that they don't have a real constitution. They right. Have, because they have chipped away and added things in terms of their 800 year history and figured things out in terms of convention and habit makes mm. it really difficult when big issues come across because they don't have a written set of rules to figure it out. They only have practicing convention. And if you want right. to break that, you can, which makes it difficult. Here's a question and this might not, this
1: might be unanswerable, but I think you're drunk enough to get, at least give it a go. Uh, if If Britain had a more solid constitution in the way that other countries do, do you think Brexit would have happened? No. Or was there enough finag? Oh, okay. So there was enough like wiggle room and like elasticity there where Boris could push through certain things. What was the thing that happened? Port the pro, yeah, Peroguing of Parliament. Yeah, that couldn't have happened if there was a constitution. No, because there would have been
2: very clear, specific rules as to like how you could dismiss Parliament and all these different things. He was just wiggling it with the rules that they had written on some fucking seven hundred year old toilet paper in terms of what they could ask the king and queen to do. And because of the conventions of parliament, I mean, you have this as later as a question in terms of what the queen can do. She has mm. to do what she's told by the prime minister at the time, by practice. Nice. And then we had this whole thing that, oh, maybe the queen could like change her mind and not do that. I mean, they don't have written rules to figure it out. That makes it even more difficult. If they had it, and even like, if there was to be a referendum on how you could join, no, how you could leave the European Union, it would be in a constitution. It would be in, in mm. like a set, like a, a strict set of rules. They don't have that. They have to wing it. Do you, and I, You're you on a roll here now with, with your
1: drunken, uh, um, <laughs> answering my questions of extreme authority. Do you think they ever will? Which? Like have a constitution. Do you think they'll no, ever get like... Have, never. No, No, no,
2: <laughs> no. That's really difficult. That's like, yeah. there would have to be a civil war in the UK for that to happen no right like having a constitutional convention that is actually like affirming and and serious is incredibly difficult they may like there may be some weird lib dem labor uh, (laughs) snp plaid cumbre coalition government that's like we should have a constitutional convention to figure it out but there's no rules in the constitution that says you have to accept what they say so they would just throw it away afterwards because they there is no constitution there is no constitution (laughs) there's no constitution that says you have to write a constitution so they can't write a constitution that's the loophole gonna, that they're
1: in. I was going to say, man, it's like a snake eating its own tail, but the snake doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like, it's wow. It's like a snake not eating its own tail. <laughs> <laughs> the political insight in this episode is just fucking staggering. This is the problem with the UK. It is a weird place, man. Yeah. So ta- speaking of um, of the Queen uh, and, and her relation to Parliament, I, I've written down here in the questions... What is the biggest flex the Queen could make on Boris Johnson if she wanted to just fuck things up? So,
2: like, I was thinking about this question earlier. I was trying to read it a few times to figure out what you what you were asking specifically, and I mean, I, I have a gist, but I want you to elaborate it more. Like, what are you asking? So,
1: I, I'm basically I want to gauge just how much power she has now, because no. again, we've we've so we yeah, but we, yeah, so she's. She's a figurehead, right? But like, at least in Ireland, you know that the president is like the final signature on the law before sure, it gets passed. It's, right? We have it
2: written in a constitution. It makes it yes. very helpful. It's so,
1: it's so like from that point, the, 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 like the figurehead of Ireland, our president, who doesn't have a lot of power on paper, could still, you know. You can do X and Y. It's written yeah, in the constitution. Exert his power through this way. Does the Queen like what are the absolute limits of what she could do, if anything? Because Who because there's a number of ways, right? Is is the lack of a constitution, yes. lack of that kind of thing, yes. does that work for her a favor as well? If she wanted to fuck things up,
2: Queen Elizabeth II will never do the things that you're proposing that she might do in terms of like whipping a bill in front of Boris and going, ha ha ha, I'm not going to sign it, <laughs> throw it out the window. But right. Charles mm. the fucking third could do that, right? Are
1: you saying that just based on, like, who they are and their Yeah. Right. Yeah, so you think the, he's, the more, he's more likely
2: to? No, not more likely to, but just possible. I mean, in terms, like, we He's bound to as we well. We have had enough time with Elizabeth the fucking second to know what she's going to do. She will not get involved <laughs> in UK politics. I, she's yeah, been around true. for a couple of decades, I may think. Uh, mm. A couple of prime ministers, uh, who knows, but, like... She's been around for at least four seasons of the crown. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, I've 18 seasons to go before she even cracks a wrinkle. But, um... <laughs> The next monarch legally potentially yeah. could fuck things up. Who knows? It's like they don't have a strict enough constitution to figure these things out. It is convention. If the queen wanted to usurp Boris Johnson proroguing last time, she could have, but she wouldn't have, because that would have been bad form. But bad form is not a way to run a country, <laughs> which is one of the main, form, which is many of the main problems of the U.K. I mean, America came into those problems when it had a psychotic idiot like Trump. Mm. All the different, all the different little parts that they hadn't spelled out in terms of their constitution came up to be a problem. It does help to have a seven hundred page constitution with all these things worked out. Sure, it's
1: boring and it's not the sexiest book, but it's got its utility. It does. Um, I'm going to. Uh, I'm, and a Heron. All right, we, we talked about the parties a little bit. Um, how the the twentieth century is kind of defined by the push and pull between your kind of lefty Labour Party and your and your right righty Tory Party. Can you just give me a breakdown of both those parties, and I guess the other major player players, um, yeah, in, in English politics, in the UK politics, but also like, to so give me their policies, give me their ideologies, but I also kind of want to know what their turns on, turn ons, and turn offs are. Like, what are they into?
2: Mm-hmm. This is quite an easy question to answer because of the UK's first past the post system. They don't have that many parties, but they also do because of their <laughs> fucked up constitution, or lack thereof. <laughs> um. Basically, the UK is, is broken down to a left and a right system like America. It has a right sided party called the Tory party, whose main turn ons <laughs> are free markets. Ooh, ooh, Generally, but sometimes not uh, like. Don't do that now in your bedroom. Hey, now, don't don't be at that. Don't be careful now. Care- but sometimes when David Cameron starts it's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm cool, I'm cool. Just don't do it in public, but do it in your bedroom. Don't do it in public. It's fine. What are you talking about sex stuff? What are you talking about? Yeah, sex oh, okay. stuff, like, uh, sexuality, like identity, those kind of things. Right. You got the Labour Party, mm-hmm. which is it is it is one of the best examples of a proper left wing movement party that's been around for a very long time. Mm. And the problem with being a very long time is that it's managed to fuck itself up a whole bunch of times. So it is a proper left wing party representing the workers and the people, in that sense, against capitalism and the establishment. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is that it's been in charge a bunch of times and being in charge means that you're held responsible for making these decisions and you get blamed for fucking up a bunch of things. Right. It flips between being very left-wingy, very uh, wokey these days. Kind of social, to, more socialist. Yeah, to God knows what the fuck Tearsheimer wants to do. That's
1: a whole different... He, he's, more century, right? like he's more sentry, right? He's more... Sorry, century he's, left. <laughs>
0: Yeah,
2: it's really difficult to say because Boris Johnson is really hard to pin down. Yeah, <laughs> as the as in charge of who's supposed to be the right wing version of British politics, mm-hmm. he wants to spend loads of money, which isn't supposed to be a Tory thing. Mm-hmm. And he he generally says he's okay with everyone doing what they want, but at the same time, the the like there is this clash between wokeism versus react, reactionism, if you want to put it that mm-hmm. way. So at the moment, British politics is just as fucked up as most other. Global politics. Good to know. Uh, but then, because the UK is also a a, a, a nation, like a country made up of four nations. Yeah. I don't know if we spelled this out specifically before. You have England. Yes. You have Wales. You have Scotland. And you have Northern Ireland. Yes. And within those different nations, apart from England, which is just pretending that it's not its own nation, mm-hmm. you have nationalist parties with their own nationalist things. So up in Scotland, you have the SNP, who basically wants independence for Scotland. Mm-hmm. They want to be a separate party on their own. In Wales, you have Plaid Cymru, who want to be a separate party on their own. In Northern Ireland, you have sectarian politics. You have people who are Catholic, pro-independence, or Protestant Unionist parties who want to stay part of the
0: UK. Mm -hmm.
2: And then spread across the whole fucking bunch, you have this other party called the Lib Dems, who, uh, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) They're just nice. (laughs) But as part of being nice, they're kind of ineffective. (laughs) Yeah, you don't hear much about the Lib Dems. No. No. Um,
1: is that, sorry, a, a more competent, uh, podcast would have dealt with this at the start. Do you want to talk a little bit about like, go, like governance in the UK and how it breaks down across the, uh, across England, Wales, Scotland, and Northern Ireland?
2: Sure. Yeah. So there, the United Kingdom is essentially like a, a proxy federal system. It's kind of like the United States in that it has different sub nations running different parts of it. So in Northern Ireland, you can have different laws compared to Scotland, Wales, or England. Mm-hmm. So they have national assemblies that they have local elections to elect the people who run them. And you have people who are first ministers of Wales, Northern Ireland, and Scotland who are effectively running their little countries within the UK. Mm -hmm. And then, but they don't have anything to do with foreign policy. They don't have anything to do with defense. They don't have anything to do with a whole bunch of other things in terms of like taxation and those little things. But to a large extent, they are quite different than independent. And then it all feeds into the central UK Westminster system, which is the UK. Yeah. That Boris is in charge of.
1: Yeah. And you can see within that system why there's often accusations about it being too like London and England focused because that's where the seat of power is and a lot of the attention.
2: But then also, interestingly, there's also accusations that they spend too much time talking about the other parts and then England gets forgotten. Do you think? Because within Westminster, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Because like within Westminster, a Scottish. MP essentially has the right to vote on things that have to do with England, but an England MP to a large extent doesn't have the same rights to vote on things that have to do with Scotland because that's nationalized in their sure, own Sure, sure,
1: sure. Okay. That's interesting.
2: There is this weird thing that's really hard to explain. It's like in their own fucked up constitutional law, even though they don't have a constitution, <laughs> there's this thing called the West Lothian question. What the fuck? It's that? like, if I'm a Scottish MP, how can I vote on something that has to do with England, even though someone in England has no right to vote on something to do with Scotland? basically. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, vaguely. It's like, if health service is nationalised in Scotland, Mm. how come an England MP can't influence that but an MP from Glasgow can influence the NHS because it's voted on in Westminster? Because England doesn't have its own national parliament. God, this this sounds like something the constitution could clear up. Fucking right. (laughs) Um... And it's all backtracked to the fact that they're an empire that hasn't figured
1: out its own shit. Uh, is there any other parties we want to mention? There are turn ons and turn-offs? Or do sure. We...
2: There's the Greens, who love not burning the planet. There are what, a cute, what a cute policy.
1: <laughs> cute. I, love that, that, I don't want that to sound
2: um, disparaging. I love the Greens. I vote Green. <laughs> There's also... I, I don't know if UKIP are still around, and then the Brexit party, and whatever the fuck they want to call themselves. Basically, whoever Nigel Farage is friends with these days and mm. um, there's that oh here, here's a hot here's a hot tip Nigel
1: Farage is on Cameo have you heard of Cameo yeah it's the evil Twitter no, no.
2: oh that's the one that you can pay someone can to pay give you a, a video celebrities to like how much does I, it cost I don't,
1: mm, let's look it up right now um, I just can know because, because I, I, to on I've seen oh Jesus I've seen him appear like people pay him and then put his videos up on TikTok where he's just like saying things like Big Chungus
3: <laughs> attention all Sassy Gamers Tuesday is dropping a dutty track, and I've got to tell you, it's going to be better than Brexit. Make sure to stream it all to your crewmates so we can find out who the imposter is. And Big Chungus is out.
2: Why is... Why is... Jesus Christ. UK is such a weird... But Isn't it weird you could pay... Oh my...
1: 75 pounds! And you—that's nothing. That's nothing. And he responds in
2: eighteen hours. What? Oh my god! Should should we should we record a one on Politics" advertisement with Nigel Farage? <laughs> I mean, we could just pay some random English guy the same money, and no one know the difference.
1: Yeah, man, he must be hard up for money. Good.
2: Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes. Yeah. To say that there is also the the weird right wingy. Party of whatever the fuck that Nigel Farage is running, which is mostly England based. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And that's, that's, that's the the main ones, shall we say?
1: Yes, those are the main bunch. Cool. I want to know more about Scotland because, you know, Scottish independence is getting more and more traction as a topic. Mm -hmm. Um, I know they already had a referendum, but it's, it's heating up again as a, as a, as a discussion point in
2: post-Brexit UK. No, look, Richie, that was a once-in-a-generation referendum. <laughs> nothing is, is once-in-a-generation.
1: Once <laughs> People need to stop saying once-in-a-generation. The, the fucking 2008 economic collapse was once-in-a-generation and fucking... stupid <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyway, so, well, I, like, what would their independence... Like, from a UK perspective, because that's what we're talking about, what would Scottish independence mean for UK post-Brexit?
2: that's a huge question isn't it and you're just drunk enough to answer for me <laughs> I don't know if I am I'm starting to sober up and being afraid oh, of answering no. these big questions look yeah. if Scotland became independent the UK wouldn't exist anymore basically
1: you don't think it? No. it England Wales and Northern Ireland you mean like it, it would be the I won't say the first domino to follow them and falling <laughs> for years but uh, Ireland it would be it would be a big enough domino a recent enough domino that would cause others to assess their independence or what do you mean yeah
2: well like wales wales is and is is having its own thing like it is it is not necessarily as strong as what's going on in scotland and the and northern ireland is having a massive flux towards reunification with the south with the south of ireland or god knows maybe spilling off on its own or something like that but if scotland was to leave you would have a massive constitutional crisis in the uk in terms of it not knowing what the fuck to do with its constitution and figuring itself out Scotland has been such a core part of what the UK has been for so many years that it would not be able to figure out what to do without it. You would have, yeah, si- I think it's sixty-eight MPs taken out of its, Like that's ten percent of its parliament taken away. Jeez. It's had, it's had, it's had. Like Gordon Brown was was um, was a Scottishman who was, was 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 Prime Minister only a few Prime Ministers ago. Mm. You have all these different like MPs and 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 people that have been ministers in in the high in the high part. It would just it wouldn't know what to do with itself and it would be suddenly shocked even though it's been screaming down the road for the last 20 years. <laughs> it's the thing with the UK it is not good with with figuring itself out until until shit is like put on the table in front of it. Mm. It like Scotland separating would bring up Brexit again because Scotland would be like should we rejoin the EU? Mm. Do we have to be a separate currency? Do we have to have a border? It would be it would it would rip the whole thing apart. Yeah. It's it's almost in comprehensible to think and to be honest it's probably going to happen within the next 10 years
1: yeah hopefully not too
2: incomprehensive because we're going to have to but this is the thing the UK can't figure its shit out because it doesn't have a proper constitution because it is this bunch of nations held together by conquest of England over the rest of them this is what makes it so like I've do you remember Matt who we talked to from the Adam Smith Institute yes I've had a couple of Twitter conversations with Matt and he's a great guy and he's really nice but he is He's, he's such a UK centric person. It makes it difficult to try and figure out how to have full conversations with. He's like, maybe we can figure out the North by, by Ireland rejoining the UK. What? And I'm like, dude, but, but, but how? And he, he'd be like, Oh, you could have, you could have a parliament made up of both nations where Irish people, where, where the, where the parliamentarians can choose to swear allegiance to either the president of Ireland or the monarch of the UK and it'd be in London and be great. And I'm like, but why would it be in London? What? Like is on a very it? first like point, like, <sighs> but, and also you, you just don't get it. You just don't get why we don't want to be part of your thing. Yeah. And, and I think that's actually Welsh as well, which makes it harder <laughs> to understand. But I guess <laughs> like he's a Welsh, he's a Welsh Brit. <laughs> yeah. This is where it comes down to it. It's just like mm. the thing about Britain, which is essentially the UK is that Britain is a fabrication of conquest. It is something that you had to create to justify why you, have, why you have England dominating these other nations on the British Isles.
1: Man, that was a great line, Steve. Which one? <laughs> <laughs> I forget. <laughs> not the fabrication of conquests, but...
2: Um, it is, but that's, that's, what, that's essentially what it is. It's like England does not realise that all the other nations that are part of the UK are not there because they're delighted to be there. They're there because England forced them to be there by conquering them. Mm. And that makes it like centuries apart. It's really, it's it. the best thing about the UK at the moment is that all these questions are being decided without guns. That is right, fantastic. Yes, yes. Yes. That must be said. A yeah. lot, uh, if you have these questions in the large parts of many parts of the world, they happen still with bombs and, and and guns and terrorism and shit. These guys are having these questions. <laughs> Constitutionally, even we don't have a fucking constitution. Yeah, but figuring yeah. it out democratically,
1: legally—yeah,
2: like a hundred years ago,
1: oh, it would have been, pi- been a pipe dream. To, to pipe to, bomb, to, a, it would have been a pipe <laughs> bomb dream.
2: Exactly. <laughs> From pipe bomb like, to pipe dream, <laughs> Ireland is like still figuring out how to try and do it constitutionally as we can. Mm-hmm. It is great that they can do it that way, but you just don't get it, England. You just don't get it. <laughs> us, other, us other nations aren't comfortable being part of your club. Yeah. Because you wrote the rules and you didn't write them down on anything that we can read.
1: Look, Steve, you're getting very heated right now. I think we need to take a break. You need to sit. I've tried my best
2: not to Brit Bash. You you
1: and you've done very well. Thank you. Given the fact that we spent 20 minutes at the start caveating and doing some forward apologies for the amount of Brit bashing we were going to do, we didn't actually do all that much. Um, which is a test. Boris Johnson's dick. There we go. Dick. Well, that's not British. That's just common fucking sense. But anyway, we're going to take a second to sip on some Guinnesses and peel some shabuds and uh, listen to some, what some of our UK friends have to say. Uh, because again, as I said at the start, we didn't want this to just be the two the two Irish dads talking about the UK. We want to get in um, some pr- perspective from our British friends, some of our British friends. Um, so we should I, caveat it mm-hmm. by saying that these
2: are very left wing British.
1: These friends. are all very lefties, but. That's fine. I'm still valid. Yeah, still, still extremely bad. valid. And they represent a good spectrum of like, you know, queer interests, uh, gender non-binary interests. Uh, Rosianna is half Mexican. So there's like, a, there's a, <laughs> the a Mexican-British the interest, Mexican interests. which people forget too often. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I, I shot them a message asking for a little voice memo um, with three question prompts. One, the first question being, what's something about uh, the UK and being British that makes you feel warm and fuzzy inside? uh to being what's something about UK or being British that makes you throw up a little bit in the back of your throat? And then finally, are you proud to be British? Um Lex and Rosianna satisfied the brief with a very short message. Jazza, I think, just <laughs> was a bit just went on a bit a bit of a spree um with 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 his answer, but it's all very good. So let's let's have a little listen now.
0: Hello, my name is Lex. Um Something I like about the UK is the British sense of humour, the self-deprecation of it compared to all the like patriotism of the US um, and the NHS. I don't like Britain's history, this weird romanticising of like Churchill, war, empire um, and all these awful things that people act like a proof of Britain's greatness or resilience that are actually very bad. I am not proud. To be British, no. I think Britain's produced a lot of great things, but for me, that's outweighed by the fact that so much of that was only made possible off the back of like slavery and empire. Um, There are things that I like about living here for sure, but I am not proud of myself. Hi, this is Rosiana phoning in from London, UK. Uh, what is something about the UK or Britishness that makes you feel warm and fuzzy inside? I Something I really love about us, which is currently extremely relevant, is that when the sun comes out, we are out there, if we can be, uh, by the river, in a pub garden, in a park, by the beach. Whatever it is, we chase the sun, and I love that about us. Something that makes me throw up a little in the back of my throat. I'm <laughs> Whenever I think about the lack of education we received about... Colonialism in like standard history classes and the strange emissions there and, and wordplay, linguistic wordplay at work. Yeah, I just I feel ill about it. Am I proud to be British and how do those feelings compare and contrast with my Mexican heritage? I wouldn't say I'm proud to be British. I'm proud of the things that communities have done, and um individuals as well. But I think that when we talk about being proud to be pr- British. Sometimes it, it feels like that requires looking away from the things that we have done under the name of pride related to being British, if that makes any sense. Um, I think those feelings are stronger than my feelings about being Mexican, because I am proud to be Mexican. Because at least for me personally, I don't associate that as much as with sort of the actions of my government, but of with the people I know and um yeah friends and families out there I'm proud to be part of their communities I suppose is what I'm saying whereas if I feel I feel if I say I'm proud to be British I'm denying all the awful things that we've done as a country and what patriotism has bolstered anyway that's my uh, roundabout answer to that I'm sorry I don't think this is a minute either two and a half minutes I'm a nightmare sorry bye
3: Hello everybody, my name is Jazza, I am co-host of the Right Dishonourable podcast, your foremost source of contrarian news on the internet, and I also make videos on YouTube, and I am still in the market for a sexy man to give me a, a European Union passport, um, at me on Twitter, Hello. What is something about the UK or Britishness that makes you feel warm and fuzzy inside? And boys, this is not an easy question. Oh man, like it's very difficult to be proud to be from the UK at the moment, apart from, I I don't know, I guess we've gotten vaccines really good. I don't know. For me, I fall into the cliche of the... Uh, 2012 london olympics opening ceremony being basically a supercut of all of the things that make me really uh, happy and proud to be british things like our music and art scene a history of kind of like um civil rights uh, the nhs and the fact that that is still a thing albeit uh some would argue under threat as kind of like a a, a, a free healthcare service, uh, but it's still genuine, uh, like it's one of the best in the world. And we were one of the first countries to do something along those lines. And that does make me very proud. The UK is not fantastic at uh, abrupt and sweeping reforms. uh, And so we haven't seen something like the NHS in a while. But one of the things that really does kind of like pluck up my heartstrings is a lot of the history of of dissidents in this country who haven't necessarily been hugely successful in their time but have definitely gone on to affect modern britain that we see today i think about things like the bristol bus boycott which basically protested in bristol the uh the lack of inclusion of of, of people of color from being employed at the Bristol Bus Company, things like the women in Dagenham who organised for them to get skilled work pay um, who, when they were working in the upholstery, upholstery part of uh, car factories, trees, the big protests that we saw in the face of the Iraq War. Some, like what do the numbers say, but some saying that the Iraq War protest is the biggest organised protest in history until it was usurped by the second referendum protest um, after we voted to leave the European Union, and frankly, when you look at those protests, the Brits have the best signs. Um, uh, we're very, very good at getting that um, uh, sarcasm and scathing critique um, onto a piece of cardboard. It's very, very good. Great to see. In terms of what makes me uh, want to throw up a little bit in my mouth, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it can sometimes be really, it can sometimes be really rough to be British at the moment, especially for when you're from kind of like. Uh, a more liberal standpoint, I certainly find it very difficult to be nostalgic of my um upbringing in the English countryside. Because uh, as a queer kid, I did not have a very nice time, and so I I lack a lot of that uh, ability to look back at even the simple things in life is very nostalgic. Because it wasn't a lot of fun for me. I think the biggest thing, and uh you gentlemen at the What Am Politics podcast know this is probably the fact that our education system does not look back at some of the worst things that we do uh, and have done as a country uh, with shall we say balance um i was still convinced Uh, well into my late teens, that the British Empire was a universally good thing and that people welcomed us wherever we went to liberate uh, cultures. Um, And I think you boys know, I didn't know that there was a violent war of independence for Ireland until I was well into my 20s. When I was at school and when I was a kid, I was told that we gave Ireland independence as a thank you for fighting with us in the first world war and you will know very well that that is that's a stretch at the very most that rule britannia stuff is kind of like like i love to sing rule britannia as much as 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 uh, any anybody else but i felt like i was tricked when i found out all of the things that the uk did as a colonial power uh, and that's really embarrassing and I understand why it's sometimes very difficult for other sometimes older British people to like it's, it's a juxtaposition we're told to be proud to be British our whole lives and then we are told that oh yeah we massacred loads of people in the Punjab like it's not I understand the difficulty that it is to kind of learn that about the UK and to not be comfortable with it but understand it and still be proud to be British? Am I proud to be British? Yes. Cause there are plenty of Hmm. Am I proud to be British? <laughs> uh Yes, I am. Um, because uh it's the only thing I've got, guys. I am from this island. I was born and grew up on this island, and not that it is a marker of how British you are, but my ancestors go back on the British Isles for we think thousands and thousands of years. And so there's not really anything else that I can identify as, (laughs) like, really. And it's such an important part of who I was. I was raised by this country. And what is my other option? Is it shame? I have to look for the things that make me proud to be from this island uh, and these islands. And I I, I can't let the likes of... Nigel Farage and Dominic Cummings and Boris Johnson define what Britishness means to the British people, and I have to make sure that what is being offered up as Britishness can make people like me proud. Uh, Because very often it isn't. Great. That was probably a lot longer than you were hoping for, um, but uh, what were you expecting, you asked Jazza, to talk about Britishness? Um, I'm not sure if that was particularly... It's a difficult question, guys. Okay, I'm going. Bye. <laughs>
1: Good man, Jazza. Is some difficult, some complicated feelings.
3: It is
2: difficult. It is. Uh, it really as is. I was listening to that, I was feeling really I was feeling really sorry. Like I mean, I just spent an hour giving out about what a bunch of bastards they are, but then mm. at the same time, I'm just remembering that I'm giving out about my next door neighbours.
1: Like yeah. we love them.
2: We do. We love them.
1: Yeah, we do. We, like, we do. Like in- we individuals. You know, you know, like it's yeah. easy to it's easy to put you can point at big broad strokes uh, yeah. as much as you want, like stuff on the global stage. But yeah, like I I live here and you know, some of my closest friends now are some Thank some God. of my best friends are British, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm allowed to say what I want. But no, it's true, it's true. Like so many I've of got our families live been, there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So many of our listeners
2: Yeah, exactly. The majority our best, of our listeners. Our best and closest listeners have been have been British. And we're like they are left wing listeners, they yes. are listeners that would not fly the Indian Jack and go how dare you say these things against us but at the same time we don't want to make them feel bad about where they're from at all because I think what what the uh, jazz definitely touched on is that Britain is one of the best places to do this fucking democracy thing that everyone else struggles to do so all the time yeah for so long it's there's a long
1: complicated history but as long as you are and like all the people that were you know we, we've we've heard from here are all in the process of reconciling with that and like learning from it and growing from it and acknowledging it and using it to inform their own kind of sense of national identity and that's that that's the, that's that's admirable and that is like that ca, that can be Britishness like Britishness doesn't need to be what came before sure. you know what I mean it can be because like no fucking country's perfect no any like you know like any Part from, from, from Iceland. Most countries have like kicked out indigenous people from where they're originally from. Like the, There was like, nobody there was nobody in Iceland before they arrived. Yeah, so they're all they're all great. But like for you know, there's there's complicated paths across the board. UK, yes. I think particularly so,
2: but when it comes to Ireland, and this is a specific thing because this is two Irish guys trying to do an episode about what what I'm the UK mm. A large part of what Ireland has made itself to be in the last two hundred years has been opposition to what the United Kingdom has been, yeah. and that is that has formed so much of so much of what we have been raised with as well. Yeah. Like if we were to to break down the amount of times that we've been told that Ireland was usurped and destroyed by angry, angry, angry evil Britishness, mm. it'd be like, how can we not but bash the Brits? <laughs> what a deep and existential question.
1: Not undeserving. undeserving. (laughs) This is what makes it so complicated. This is what makes it so complicated. But
2: we also use it as an excuse far too often to let ourselves off the hook. Yeah. So everybody just try and be better. Hey, Steve, my head hurts. Is that because you've been uh, (laughs) drinking the Bud Light Seltzer? It could be this terrible, (laughs) terrible, terrible seltzer. This episode is not sponsored by Bud Light Seltzer. No, it's the opposite. What's the opposite of sponsorship? Direct donations from listeners
1: to us through the head Stuff plus platform there we go god we're so good at this what a segue uh there is a link in the show notes if you like what you heard and you want to hear more i've got an idea for what our next um, bonus episode is going to be by the way i prepared a whole section that we just didn't have time for because this was such a a uh, a rich vein of podding um, but I looked up to try and better understand the British people. I went back into their past and uh, I looked at the 18, I, l- I went back to the 1881 census, their first census. And uh, I've really? got... is that the first census? Uh, I think so. Uh, don't, don't, don't ask, <laughs> the first me, one on don't ask me too many questions. <laughs> and when I say I went back, I found a tweet that pointed me towards some, some <laughs> uh, but I found a list of funny uh, jobs that uh, British people listed. As their profession back in 1881. Some belters include... Oh, I'm a jazz walker. I'm a beef twister. <laughs> oh, that's another good thing. We made it through this whole episode without doing a
2: British accents. I hate your British accents. They're so oh, awful. Oh, Crocs
1: and socks. Oh, make, me, make my skin crawl. But yeah, other other professions. Body washer. Yeah. Uh, clean's onions was one written down. Cow banger is another one. What? Egg breaker, emasculator, examiner of underclothing. A, this is a bountiful, bountiful topic that is perfect for an upcoming bonus episode where we get deep into the professions of British people in eighteen eighty one. So if you're interested in that, maybe join Head Stuff Plus and you'll you'll hear that in an upcoming upcoming bonus episode. Aside from that, at what on politics on Instagram and on Twitter, what on politics at gmail.com.
2: As a sneak preview to our listeners of the main feed, we will next be talking about the great AOC. Oh yes. A lot of people, A lot. there's a lot of overlap of
1: people who like our show and people who like AOC. Or if you have
2: any questions or would you like us to talk about anything in particular about Alexandra Oscadio cortez then please get in touch because we are going to be talking to a journalist who wrote a biography of her. Yes.
1: Uh, all those questions can go to at gmail.com. Also, in terms of a uh, forward sizzle for upcoming episodes, we didn't mention much about the NHS specifically in this episode, even though it is
2: such a defining part of the UK. To be honest, I had written down in my notes, make sure, and I put this in like 16 points, bold capital, <laughs> underline. do not start this Brit bashing without talking about how we're going to talk about how great the NHS yes. is. But I forgot. I forgot.
1: <laughs> but we are going to do a whole episode on the NHS. Uh, because y'all Brits got
2: that going good.
1: Yeah, it's it's so good. Like I said, I got my vaccine from it. They, I've gone I've availed of the NHS for so many of my many many ailments and faults and problems, and they've done a pretty good job of fixed me up into the upstanding citizen I am today. But light aside, uh, so there's an upcoming episode on that in the future as well. Is there anything else? That's it. I'll Oops. leave you. I'll leave you with one more um, profession filled out on the 1881 british census feeding boy to printing machine (laughs) now
2: that's kind of your job i know (laughs) that's kind of your job right now feeding
1: boy i know what you're thinking feeding boy. is that feeding a boy into a printing machine or is that a boy who feeds paper into a feeding machine
2: it's the ladder richie it's very clearly the ladder you can't make it anything but Yes, we'll have to tune into to
1: Bonus Epsilon to find out. <laughs> Spoiler, I've <have> no idea. <laughs> Alright,
2: chat to you later. Bye. Bye.